Guys, what the hell just happened? Like, legitimately, what the hell just happened? Here we are. It's... We don't, we don't normally do post-game reactions on this podcast. But... Desperate times and special times call for special and desperate measures. Here lies... On this day, the day of our Lord, August 14th, 2020, the uh, football club formerly known as FC Barcelona. I personally don't take a lot of happiness in this because Lionel Messi is one of my favorite players. I'm stunned. A final score of 8-2 to is utterly insane. In the Champions League, nonetheless. Against a Lionel Messi-led team, nonetheless. Chuck and I were just casually talking yesterday. And we mentioned how terrified we were for this game. And how we thought that the game was going to be incredibly close the entire way through. My final score prediction was a 3-2. And here's what happened. Muller scored in the fourth. An Alaba own goal in the seventh tied it up at one apiece. And then Perry Sitch in the 22nd, Gnabry in the 27th, Muller in the 31st, Suarez in the 57th, followed up by Joshua Kimmich in the 63rd, Robert Lewandowski in the 82nd, and two from the Barcelona Loney himself. Philippe Coutinho in the 85th and the 89th minute. It's a final score of 8-2. to two. Bayern Munich has an aggregate score through all of their Champions League games this year of 39-8. to eight. We've almost scored 40 goals in one competition. Throughout this entire season. Robert Lewandowski has still scored in every single UEFA Champions League match that he has played so far this season. And he only put one in the back of the net. He assisted on that very first uh, Thomas Muller goal. So he really has a goal and an assist. But this is something that defies logic to me because Barcelona is not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination Barcelona is not a bad team any team that reaches the quarterfinals of the Champions League is not a bad team but it was clear from at least if you're an American and you were watching the coverage on CBS All Access I think it was very interesting what Kate Abdo said coming out of the break she said the storyline of this is not necessarily that Barcelona or that Bayern Munich won 8-2. It's that Barcelona is in such utter distress right now that they can't that they can't even put up a decent scoreline against Bayern Munich. I'm joined by Chuck Smith and Tom Adams, both of which might be about as inebriated as I am because we're celebrating today. 
because this is abnormal. This really is abnormal. Like I should I feel like I should be celebrating a lot more for this than I am. But I, I feel like I, I feel like I just witnessed a car accident. Like that's that's honestly what what I feel. I feel like I witnessed a car accident and I'm just sitting there in like curious horror as to what I just saw. Eight to two is a dismembering. Like it's it's not even a murder. It's not even a killing. It's a dismembering. Barcelona's guts got ripped out of their stomach and they got laid out on the floor. That's what an 8-2 scoreline is. Right? This is in the same season that a Bayern Munich team beat Tottenham 7-2 and we thought that it was the second coming of Christ itself, right? And we beat this Barca team 8-2. It's, it's so unreal to me. Chuck, I want you to go first, because maybe you can find some way to better articulate how utterly insane this is. And then Tom, feel free to go after him. Yeah, Jake, it's funny you called it a car accident, because I felt like it was a Wild West train robbery, and I felt like I was involved in it. It was the excitement of being involved in something that that really you don't know what the outcome is going to be when you go in. You know it's exciting. You probably know it's a little bit wrong, and you need a lot of stuff to go right to walk out of it. And I really felt like I was part of that robbery. And Byron went in, they played Barcelona, and what you saw was a team effort, Jake. You saw a team that did not buckle when they gave up that early own goal. In past years, they would have folded. It would have, they would have folded like an accordion under Kovac or some of the other past managers. But this Bayern team under Hansi Flick, incredible resilience, bravery, and just an undying, relentless attitude that just overwhelmed Barcelona. I couldn't be more excited about that result and just to watch it and see how it all played out. Again, it was a train robbery and, and I was one of the people with a mask over my face, non-quarantine related, hoisting some loot out of a boxcar or something. It was it was awesome to see. It's crazy too because we all know what happens oftentimes to the trains that Chuck conducts. You know, they just completely derail. <laughs> Timo train, uh, ARP train. I mean, those conductor. things are so far off the rails. A better conductor. train robber than a train conductor. This is all true. This is all true. <laughs> FC Bayern München has helped Chuck find his new calling regarding the trains. So not only is it a massive win in the Champions League for Bayern Munich, it's also a huge, huge win for Chuck. So, I mean, we just have to chalk it up to another massive win. But, Jake, just to uh, kind of finalize some thoughts here, it's interesting that um, in the Dare Ausblick episode uh, where we were also post-capping the win over Chelsea, you know, I was talking about um, listening to Stylecast with uh, Raphael Honingstein and his co-host, and they were talking about how they were speaking with Hansi Flick, uh, Miroslav Klosa, the coaching staff, Hermann Gerland, Holger Broich, the fitness coach, just about how much fun uh, this Bayern team is having in training sessions and working with each other and how how well they've been communicating with one another and how well they've all been feeding off of one another. You know, a, a testament to how the energy at, at Sabiner Strasse is just absolutely right. Uh, and I think this is a, just exactly what you saw. And, you know, aside from the opening five minutes being absolutely insane with end-to-end -end chances and Thomas Muller uh, scoring that left-footed volley in the fourth minute, the moment, you know, three minutes later, we have the David Alba own goal. I thought, 
that you know he was making a solid effort on the ball. He didn't know who was behind him when that cross was being played in. Right foot is obviously his weaker foot. Takes a stray touch. Neuer almost saved it. And you know what? Neuer got right back up after picking the ball up out of the back of the net. Gives him a pat on the back. He said, don't worry about it. Keep going. This is nothing. That's absolutely nothing. Put it behind us. And that's exactly what they did. And I think that that's a, you know, a glaring moment that speaks to the, uh, the overall energy of this team right now and the togetherness. And Mia San Mia, pretty much, which is obviously the, the club's motto. And then from there, just keeping together from a tactical standpoint, it was just like both of these teams just really flirting with danger with the high lines. But, you know, I just thought Bayern had far more going forward. They were timing their runs better. Uh, and another thing, you know, our, our forward players, Perisic, Muller, Lewandowski, Gnabry, uh, even Goretzka and Thiago when they were getting further advanced. I thought the difference between Barcelona and Bayern going against the high line was the, the high press that Bayern liked to deploy. I think they just executed it uh, in numbers far, far better than Barcelona. And they were just swarming Barcelona when they would win possession in their own third. And again, I know I said it <laughs> probably 10 times on Twitter when I was live tweeting this too. The fact that Ter Stegen was just so reluctant to get rid of the ball quickly also kind of played into our favor. And, you know, uh, if we're going to employ the high press, you kind of have to know where every player is going to go and all the players n need to know where everyone else is going to be for the high press to be executed perfectly. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, and through that, we were able to, to break Bayern, or excuse me, to break Barcelona's lines and, you know, just absolutely wreak havoc. And I think once it was 4-1 at halftime, we were just all in a state of shock. And then we banged four more in. And yeah, for me, this is just an amazing moment because I really, you know, I have my uh, bones to pick with La Liga and some of the dark arts that they like to deploy and uh, styles of play, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. This is about Bayern. This is about this Hansi Flick team, how well we're playing together with one another, uh, the belief that we have, and on to the semifinals. Let's go. I think I got a couple of major takeaways from this other than just Bayern winning by a score of 8-2. to two. Number one, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen today did not look like Germany's number one goalkeeper. He's been arguing that he should be over Manuel Neuer, right? And arguably, the two goals that Neuer let in today weren't the best, though I will say that the first one not was not necessarily his fault. He got a hand to it. But Marc-Andre Ter Stegen's decision-making today was so poor. Incredibly poor. Distribution was terrible. Communication along the Barca back line looked miserable at best. It just didn't seem like he was a kind of person that could command Barcelona, let alone the German national team. Uh, and I know I mentioned before about dismemberment. Uh, now I want to talk about uh, the removal of somebody's legs, in particular Nelson Semedo, because Alfonso Davies just absolutely destroyed this man's entire career, but he's not even a rapper. He utterly broke this man down on the wing. He had the best fancy footwork possible, broke him down, left him for dead, slotted in a beautiful pass to Joshua Kimmich, which brought in the fifth goal that Bayern Munich scored. For those fans of the internet out there, I feel like every goal after that point was that gif from The Simpsons where somebody says, stop, he's already dead. 
because it just felt like there were so many moments in this game where Bayern could have said that, right? Like, stop it. it. Like, the game is over. They're already dead. But the lack of will to defend on Barcelona's team was just staggering because you look at that back line, right? They're not necessarily terrible players, right? Semedo, not a bad player. Jordi Alba has been, depending on who you ask, one of the best left backs of the past decade, right? And then you add into the central defense, uh, you have PK and Clement Longley. Like, granted, Samuel Umtiti is not, not there and he's not able to play. That's unfortunate for the Barcelona backline, but I don't necessarily think that Umtiti would have made the difference there. You see a scoreline of 8-2. That's not on one defender. That's on an entire back line on an entire defense, right? So we're not a Barcelona podcast. We're not a Barcelona blog. But if you're a fan of Barcelona, there has to be change. There has to be some kind of change, whether it's from the top, whether it's from within the squad, whether it's from the managerial standpoint, whatever it is, right? Because the transfers coming into um, coming into Barcelona have not been good. They haven't been the greatest, right? Antoine Griezmann came on at the 46th minute and didn't make any impact on this team at all. I wouldn't have been shocked if you told me that Antoine Griezmann never came on. I, I couldn't see any evidence of him being on the field. And it even just goes to show more than that, that a player that got loaned out from Barcelona to Bayern Munich in the form of Philippe Coutinho assisted one and scored two. He was part of the last three goals. After coming on only in the 75th minute, that's even more unbelievable. He came on in the 75th minute, and then from the span of the 82nd to the 89th minute, he scored two goals and assisted one. That's insane. We're talking about a player who we as a fan base have derided for the entire time that he's been here. And he came out and put forth a great performance. And I will raise my hand and I will take all of the credit for this. He didn't come on to replace Thomas Müller at center attacking midfield. He came on to replace a winger. He came on at left wing and he did what he was supposed to do. I'm patting myself on the back for this one because I swear to God, if Bayern Munich played him in the right position, as I've been saying this entire time he's been here on loan, we could have had performances like this throughout the entire time. This is why I was excited for Philippe Coutinho to come to Bayern Munich so they could put in performances like this. And for some reason, they never put him onto the pitch. But let's talk about the other loanee for a second here. Boys! We have to sign Ivan Perisic at the end of this at the end of this window. He scored the second goal. It was absolutely beautiful. He was beautiful all over the pitch the entire day. I don't know how this Bayern team doesn't re-sign him because he's not going to cost more than 25 million euro and he's been beautiful. He's been beautiful all season for Bayern Munich and today you just added to that resume. So, let's talk about those two and then the last question we're going to talk about 
Barcelona and what they do for the future. For now, let's talk about the two loanies. Let's talk about Coutinho. Let's talk about Perisic. What were your thoughts on their performances today? Because they had great days. Chuck, we'll start with you. Yeah, for Coutinho, Jake, you're right. You did call this months and months ago, and I know you've been sitting on that and just waiting to open that box like like a jack-in-the-box. You've been winding and winding, and boom! Now we got to see it today, Jake. So I will give you immense amount of credit for that. Uh, Coutinho, for the most part in his tenure at Bayern, has just been a little bit miscast, and I think it was unfair to him in a lot of ways. I think there was a lot of pressure from management on Niko Kovac to play Coutinho centrally. And what happened when he did that? It pushed Thomas Muller to the bench. And as we've seen time and time again, this team is much better when Thomas Muller is centrally behind Lewandowski and they're creating havoc. So Coutinho, for his part, did excellent today. It was nice to see him score a couple of goals against his, I guess, his current team, former team. What, what do we refer to him as since in a couple of weeks he'll be going back there? Uh, you know, it was great to see that. As for Perisic, I mean, this was the moment we've been all waiting for, right? This is why they got him. Coman wasn't quite 100%. You needed a stable veteran presence who had big game experience to come in on the wing and make a contribution. And that's exactly what you got. And let's be honest, he's done that all season. There's been a lot of hate toward him for whatever reason, but he's done this. He has been as consistent as you would want from a veteran player. In his big game experience, it came through today. This is when they needed him. This is why they made that move. It was a brilliant move, and it's paid off. Both players, while they had their may have had their ups and downs over the course of this season, this is why they were brought to Bayern Munich, and they both excelled today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's almost a shame that it's pretty much already set in stone. Uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and Bayern's front office have pretty much made it clear that Bayern is not going to be activating Coutinho's permanent buyout clause and in a sense I wonder if that's almost psychologically worked uh, to his favor you know because he's just he just kind of on I don't know if the right phrase would be borrow time or just uh, you know extended time because you know he really has absolutely nothing to lose it's not as if these remaining matches uh, or I should say all the remaining matches after that buyout clause period came and went uh was going to determine, you know, a price inflection or a major price cut, especially with his parent club being Barcelona. Uh, another thing I'll add to that too, it is awesome that he came on and Jake, as he mentioned, got a brace and an assist. And not only that, but both of his uh, goals were nutmegs on Ter Stegen, which I thought was very great. Uh, I, I threw in a tweet about him getting a brace and a brace of nutmegs. I don't know if any player has ever done that in the champions league. We'll have to check the statistics books on that. Um, but both he and Tiago, I noticed, I, I don't know if it was just a uh, chip on the shoulder type of thing like Tiago today, especially with his timetable, you know, the Liverpool links have, uh, you know, heightened once again, you know, this 30 million uh, euro fee seems to have been agreed upon by Liverpool personal, excuse me, that was a tongue twister, personal terms uh, have apparently been agreed through all parties and you know so it's kind of a player who's on his way out but he just for me turned it up today and just the intensity of his tackles you know going in hard on Vidal uh, Busquets De Jong a couple of times and he just looked really sharp laser focused you could just see that intensity in his eyes and I wonder if both he and Coutinho were perhaps playing like I said with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder uh, given the fact that they're both uh, 
well, current technically, as, as Chuck was mentioning, the terminology for Coutinho is a little bit uh, different because he's still got a few matches left for us to play, but former and uh, current Barcelona players. So there was that element. And for Perisic, exactly as Chuck was mentioning, going all the way back to last summer's transfer window and kind of getting him as a fail-safe for all of the Leroy Sané um, stuff falling through. He did exactly what he was there to do, provide a veteran presence, someone who's been in these stages of the Champions League before, knows what to do, always does what what's asked of him. And I also just thought, even today, other than his goals and his involvement on the goal sheet, he just worked his socks off, tracked back when he had to, especially playing on the side with Alfonso Davies. We all know that he likes to bomb forward because he has such amazing pace uh, to where he can cover himself on the way back. And Goretzka uh, is very disciplined in, in the way that he tucks in uh, and covers those spaces left behind when Davies roams forward. And I just thought Perisic was a guy, he'll always put his head down. He'll always do what's asked of him. He'll always put in a solid shift for you. And today he did that and got on the score sheet and provided uh, a very big impact when it was absolutely needed. And yeah, I mean, if Inter Milan was watching this, they're saying, okay, we're going to uh, add on a performance-based bonus to the price that we'd want to uh, ask for Bayern for him if they want to buy him permanently. But um, we'll have to see about that. But he just proves that he's a great presence to have in the squad. And, you know, I really hope he continues to produce for us in the semifinals and perhaps the final if we make it that far. Which brings us to the part that talks about what happened on the opponent's side. There are going to be a lot of heads that are going to roll from this. I imagine by the time next year rolls around, Barcelona is going to be unrecognizable. And let's, let's like legitimately take a step back from our happiness and think about this. We're talking about a Barcelona team that sacked their manager in January. Valverde was out in January. They brought in Kike Setien in January to replace him, and he wanted to instill a more Johan Cruyff style to this Barcelona team. It's hard for players to adapt from one style, a conservative style from Valverde earlier in the season, to another the more quote-unquote stereotypical Barcelona style that Setien was trying to bring in. But obviously it didn't work, whether that was because of the players weren't right, whether that was because the manager wasn't right. That's it. Like, it, it happened, they're out of the Champions League. The first person that needs to go is Kike Setien. I was talking with uh, Josh Sutter on our last episode. I was talking about... Uh, Chavi coming in on the episode that they posted, right? I believe it was on the episode they posted. And I said that bringing Chavi in would be a terrible idea because while everybody wants to have a Frank Lampard or Zinedine Zidane, a coach that was a former player that didn't have a lot of experience beforehand, that came in and did very well, I would rate the B team of Real Madrid and Derby County, the two clubs that Zidane and Lampard respectfully came from before they went to their clubs, higher than any team from the Saudi League, which is where Chavi currently is. I think that it's probably easier to fire the manager than it is to get rid of all of the players. But Barcelona are in a 
desperate state of flux right now. If you look at that back line, right, a back line that used to be dominated by PK and Puyol almost has a lost identity at this point, right? They need to go out and buy a right back. They need to go out and buy a left back to replace Jordi Alba. They need to go out and replace two central midfielders because I don't know how quick Ricky Puig is going to develop, but Rakitic didn't play this game. I don't know how much he would have contributed. Sergio Roberto's experiment at central midfielder should be done after this game. He wasn't that great there. Sergio Busquets just looked slow, which, I mean, if you've ever played FIFA with Sergio Busquets, that's pretty much exactly what he looks like the entire time. Arturo Vidal should probably be gone from this team as well, and they need a better attacking talent, despite the fact that Luis Suarez scored. Logically, Barcelona needs to make what I would estimate in a normal year to be in a range of 350 million euros worth of transfers. They're not going to go out and do that. I doubt they're going to go out and do that. But the one change that they can start with is firing Kike Setien and bringing in a better manager. And to me, there's really only one manager out there on the market that can come in and take over Barcelona. Someone that can fit somebody that relates to the true manager of the team, Lionel Messi. And that manager is Mauricio Pochettino. You have to bring in Pochettino because he's had a very deliberate style brought forth into Tottenham that works very, very well for them, or worked very well for them up until the point that he got sacked. It was great attacking talent. Great forward movement from that team. Not to mention he's Argentinian. So that's going to help in terms of connections with Lionel Messi. But this team has a lot to change. And I think, because personally, I love Barcelona, right? I love watching Barcelona because I love watching Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi is the greatest soccer player in the world, in my opinion, the greatest soccer player of all time. And he deserves a cast around him that matches that expectation. And he deserves a manager that will let him do that. I think Pochettino is that man because of what Pochettino did with Harry Kane. He let Harry Kane do his own thing. And now Barcelona need to go out. They need to revitalize La Masia. They need to reinvest into their youth development. They need to go out there and prove that they're one of the best teams in Spain because right now, despite the fact that they finished second in La Liga, which is a true farmer's league, if you ask me, they're not going to go further than um, than what they are now, right? I'll put it in a baseball term for Americans that might be listening to us. If you recall the New York Yankees in the late 2000s and the early 2010s, they would just buy every aging, decent player that was out there on the market in the hope that they would come back and return to form with the Yankees, and then they would go to the World Series. It worked only once in 2009, and they did that same format from 2009 to about 2015, and it never worked for them afterwards. It failed miserably. They had people coming in that should not have been on that team. I'm looking at Barcelona. They're doing the same thing. I love Arturo Vidal to death. Arturo Vidal proved today that he does not belong on Barcelona. 
He he belongs with Blaise Matuidi, I would argue, in the MLS, right? I don't think Antoine Griezmann necessarily belongs with Barcelona either because he doesn't fit the mold of what they absolutely need. If Antoine Griezmann, a man that you paid over 100 million euros for, expecting him to show up in moments like this, comes onto the field and doesn't make an impact, you need to find a way to get rid of that man. In, in in my in my opinion, I love Antoine Griezmann. I love his game, but today proved that he doesn't necessarily gel or fit with this Barcelona team. I think Barcelona, in a way, tried to model themselves after the Real Madrid model of Galacticos, and I don't necessarily think that it's because they desperately miss Neymar. I think they do, but they've had the talent come in over the couple of years that Neymar has been gone that should easily replace Neymar. Ousmane Dembele should have easily been able to replace Neymar. For some reason, he didn't. Antoine Griezmann should have easily been able to replace Neymar, and for some reason, they didn't. Neymar, meanwhile, has taken his team to the semifinals of the UEFA Champions League, and Lionel Messi is going to be sitting home in Catalonia really sad, watching potentially watching Neymar make it to the Champions League final. Who knows? That RB Leipzig PSG game is going to be fun, but that's for a different story. Guys, what do you think needs to happen at Barcelona? What would you, what do you think they need to do in order to compete, in order to save Lionel Messi's last years of hope? Because I don't think Messi's ever going to leave Barcelona. If he does, he should absolutely come to Bayern Munich, but he, he's been tied to that club for so long, I don't see him leaving for anywhere else unless it's MLS at the very end of his season. So for now, while he's still competitive, what does this team need to do to help him? I think it's it's pretty simplistic in, in that they need to stop chasing names and start chasing fits. And what I mean by that is you have a talent like Dembele who obviously is has the skill and ability to compete and play on most teams in the world. But he was kind of more of a headache than he's been worth there. And yeah, they missed him today and they didn't use him today. But in reality, like I think he has not lived up to expectations. I think when you invest in a player like Griezmann, again, a fantastic talent, but how much of a fit was he? Because it didn't really seem to work this year. So from my perspective, and to keep it simple, they just need to be smarter about their acquisitions. Uh, they have a great great, I can't say great enough, midfielder in Frankie de Jong. I think he is the future at that position, and I think he'll be able to anchor that spot in their lineup for the next decade. I don't think he's a player they will ever let leave, but they need to be smarter, and it's time to move on from players like Vidal, who at 33, he's at the end of the rope as far as his, his major top five league career. He's still a fantastic player to have in a locker room, but he's no longer the same player, and I don't think he's quite as good as he believes he is at this stage. So when you get players like that, it's just time to move on. Uh, they're going to need to be smart about who they bring in. That's I think that's the bottom line with it. I mean, for me, as I said earlier, I mean, I'm someone I just really don't um, – I won't use the word rate, but I just don't follow or support uh, La Liga very much, uh, as I mentioned probably 15, 20 minutes ago in the in this. Uh, I have a lot of bones to pick with the style of play, some of the antics, but, you know, objectively, I have to take a few steps back from that and, and kind of cover myself and say that in no way, shape, or form discredits the football uh, and the amazing talent that they have in that league. They play some of the best football in the world. 
uh, we have to get that straight. But, you know, for someone like me kind of really looking from the outside, this is one of the leagues I don't pay much attention to. You know, uh, Bundesliga and Premier League are kind of my two two leagues that I really follow heavily uh, and invest a lot into. You know, just as you were speaking with Josh uh, in Der Ausblick before uh, in the build-up to this game, you know, he was kind of mentioning how kind of the whole time building up into the season, even back from preseason last summer, that the mood never really felt right uh, at Barcelona. And, you know, you have the whole issue. Um, I don't know when exactly it happened, but I remember it coming to light either in February or January, obviously now with the coronavirus and basically the world being shut down for the better part of three months, you know, perception of time has just gone out the window. But I believe it was the beginning of 2020 when they had that whole incident with uh, i3, that company that was supposedly uh, paying people to slander uh, individuals from FC Barcelona's squad. Uh, and it resulted in um, one of uh, Bartomeu's advisors being uh, suspended. And it was a big issue. And you know, there were tr people trying to discredit that that was even true. And then on the other side, you had uh, people from Barcelona's front office completely going after it and defending the players, obviously, as you would expect them to do so. Uh, but as Josh was saying, the mood never really seemed to be right. And it seemed like there's a lot of internal issues personally that I can't really speak to uh, going on in Barcelona's camp and uh, kind of taking what both you and uh, Chuck have said, you know, how long can you be building the team uh, around Lionel Messi and Jake? I, like you, you know, there's the age-old debate of uh, CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Messi, and I'm always someone who's in Messi's camp. I think he's a team player. I think he does more uh, for the team. I think he works a little bit harder. I think he complains significantly less, so I'm always going to be in his camp when it comes to Ronaldo or Messi, but you know, he's been at this club for a long, long time. And to me, it's never quite been exactly the same since Barcelona had lost um, MSN, obviously, Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. And obviously, Neymar was linked with coming back to Barcelona last summer from PSG after that blockbuster 222 million euro move to the French capital. But that didn't pan out. Will it pan out in the future? Who knows? But I don't know how much longer they can they can go building the team around him in the way that they've been trying to do so right now because clearly it's not working. And just knowing Barcelona, I, like you guys, anticipate that uh, Setien will not last uh, much longer, whether it's you know 48 hours, 72 hours, or at some point later in the summer before the next season starts. But uh, they really need to take a close look at, at what's been going on. They just have not been at the races since they returned from the coronavirus. I'm going to jump in. Lost out to Real Madrid. I'm going to jump in right okay, now. I want to shout out, first of all, Luis Miguel Echegaray from Sports Illustrated because he knows better Spanish than I do. So he tweeted out two statements. The first one came from Barcelona president Josep Bartomeu. The quote is, quote, now we make some decisions, some decisions we have already made, end quote. To my mind, that probably indicates that Setien might be fired within the next 24 to 48 hours. And then the next one, one that I find much more important than Bartomeu, because it's quite possible Bartomeu... Um, this is funny. I just got a notification. Breaking news right now, thanks to CBS Sports, Kike Setien has been fired. 
Well, there we go. Uh, BFW, a BFW first. first. The action as it happens. As we are literally recording this podcast, Kike Setian has been fired. The next post from Echakarai is a direct translation from an interview PK did immediately after the game. Uh, quote, Embarrassment is the word. No one is indispensable. If new blood has to come and change the dynamic, I'll be the first to exit and let it happen. Now we have reached the bottom. End quote. It, it really is a time for change for Barcelona, as we all just agreed. Uh, I, I can't say that they're one of the best teams in the world as of right now. You can't you can't go to the Champions League semifinal thinking that you're going to do well and then get thrashed 8-2 and call yourself one of the ultimate teams in the world. It's kind of sad. It's kind of crazy to see. And it's expected after a loss of this kind. For Bayern, meanwhile, we move on. We play the winner of Manchester City and Olympique Lyonnais. That will be a fun game to watch tomorrow, Saturday afternoon, at least Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to this. We will produce an episode next week for the winner of that game. Please be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you get your quality audio content. And until next time, follow us on Twitter at BavarianFB, works at the Barrel Blog, at TommyAdam71, and at Jefferson Fenner. We will see you later. Celebrate responsibly tonight. <laughs> I'll feed the same.